Alamo City. God is worthy to be praised this morning. Come on, our God is greater.
think you know he is worthy to be praised this morning. I don't even have to tell you because I can see it all over your face. You know that God is good. Amen. And the healer is in this house. So I want to welcome you. We want to welcome you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, of course, we want everybody to respect their boundaries and social distancing. But if you want to wave at your neighbor or give them a fist bump, or if you want to hug them, whatever's in your heart to do, but just welcome your neighbor this morning. Tell them that you love them. Tell them that you're praying for them. And be sincere about it because we're all in this together. And while you're doing that, we're going to continue to worship. Amen. Come on, Josh. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. I'm an heir of salvation, a purchaser of God. in his blood this is my story this is my soul praising my savior all the day Submission, a perfect delight, a visions of rapture now burst on my side. Angels descending, a bring from above.
You know, you should really testify if God has been good to you. If he's done anything for you, you don't have to be perfect. But if you have something that God has done for you, we got to tell somebody. The things that God has done for me, there's no way you can tell me that God is not real. Because I know God to be a healer. I know him to love me. And he restores things. Come on, let's testify this morning. Amen.
God still provides. Tell the truth. If he's been good to you, raise the soul. If he brought you out, everything with breath, sing praises. Everything with breath, sing praises. Everything with breath, sing praises. yesterday he is today and forever he is still a miracle worker he is still a way maker he's still making roads through the through the through the wilderness is that right he's still providing for his people amen so as we get into these next couple of songs if you just feel a an unction or if you feel like you want to come up to the altar and just worship Maybe just lay down a few things at the foot of the cross. It's open here for you, and we're saying that you're welcome. Amen. Let's just go to the Lord just as we are this morning. Just as 
can just be so overwhelming sometimes and in those moments we need to hide ourselves the psalmist said when my heart is overwhelmed within me lead me to the rock that is higher than I am because we know that when we hide ourselves under the Lord Almighty. The storm can rage, the storm can blow, but we are His children and we are safe. Amen.
from the dead and he is Lord every knee shall bow every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord let's sing that again for he is Lord, he is Lord, he has risen from the dead, and he is Lord, every knee, every knee shall bow. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. <clears throat> there was a key to that, and somewhere Josh found it. I was roaming around there for a while. But amen. Amen. <laughs> he inhabits the praises of his people. Let everything that has breath <laughs> praise the Lord. Amen. Now next Sunday, next Sunday, if you can get here, if you can physically get here to the Alamo City location, we'll invite you to come. Those of you who are part of our streaming family, we're going to do the best we can to get what happened here to you. But we, we are looking forward to having all four of these wonderful praise leaders who have been working with us, ministering with us over these last several months. All four of them will be here, Lord willing, next Sunday. Uh, Abby and Zach and Jennifer and Monica, as well as our band, as well as the, the, all of our worship team, our technical team. And it's going to be mainly a praise service. We're going we're to have a little preaching mixed in, um, but mainly praise. And the theme will be the power of praise, power of praise. No matter where you're standing or sitting, no matter what you're in the middle of, when we make the choice to turn our eyes onto Jesus, get our eyes off the waves, get our ears disconnected from whatever that noise is that's coming against us, and get our focus upon him, he inhabits the praises of his people. He makes his presence known when his people praise him. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm ready for next Sunday this morning. And um, if you can get here, just, just come and be a part with us. If you're not able to be here, we'll, we'll be streaming it uh, as, we, as we do every week. 
John the Baptist said, here's how you'll know when you have met the Messiah. John the Baptist only gave one sign. Isaiah gave a many, many signs. 700 years before Jesus of Nazareth was ever born. But John the Baptist only gave one sign. and He said this, here's how you'll know. Because when he comes, he will baptize you with his spirit and with fire. He will baptize you. He will drench you. He'll get you sopping wet. John said, I can get your clothes wet. I can take you out in the Jordan and get you physically sopping wet. But there's one coming who is greater than I. And here's how you'll know you've met him. He will have the ability, he will have the power, he will have the mercy, he will have the heart to drench your insides with his spirit, with his spirit, and with fire, with fire. Lord, we're asking you today to just do that again. Would you, would you drench us with your spirit and with your fire? Would you pray that right wherever you're sitting Today, right in this room, I, I don't want to do the praying for us, but that's the cry of our hearts, our family, wherever we may be. All is vain, the old song says, unless the spirit of the Holy One comes down. Lord, you're the one who makes your word come alive to us. You're the one who speaks hope to our discouraged souls. You are the one, you who are able to drench us freshly with your spirit and with fire. Lord, we ask you for that. We trust you to do that today as we meet. Amen. 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 Remember, that's a prayer you can pray. Remember, that's, you can start your day out with that. Lord, I, I'm asking you to drench me today on Monday morning with your spirit and with fire. That there's never, we're not supposed to go just Sunday to Sunday on whatever we get while we're in the room on Sunday, but he, he is where we are, and he desires to make his presence known. He wants you to know his life in your heart. He wants you to know his fire. Isn't that interesting? You pick the word fire. That's energy. That's heat. You know, there's power in fire. He will drench you with his spirit and with fire. I want to talk to you a few minutes this morning on this subject again, God's surprises. God's surprises. Now, we're talking about God's good surprises we, we, because I'm believing that the majority of the ones listening today are ones who are not trying to run as far away from God as you can get. <laughs> we're trying to run as close to Him as we can get. We're not trying to just work the margins. We're not trying to see just how how, how much we can get away with without getting slam dunked by the Lord. We, we're, we're wanting to live our lives as best we can in a way that pleases Him, that honors Him, that we would be a delightful child to our Father. Amen? That, that we would be a testimony of the, of the, that the grace of God is indeed working. We're, we're a trophy of His grace. And in the light of that, because of that, it is the Father's heart, I believe, to surprise us sometimes, 
to do something more than what we would expect. Just like you for your child or your grandchild or somebody you love. It's a delight to see that look of surprise and joy, a thrill on their faces. Where'd we get that? Where'd we get that? I believe it's a part of our being in the image of our Father that we enjoy blessing folks with surprises. So God's surprises, God's surprises under this theme. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. That he would surprise you with a sense that there's something that maybe you thought you never could do, never would be qualified to do, never would, um, you know, even, even have the equipment to do. But he says to your heart, yes, you can. Has anybody had the Lord speak that something? Yes, you can. We disqualify ourselves immediately from all kinds of things. Who are we? Nobody. Nobody knows us. Disqualified ourselves because of things we've done in the past or whatever. And then the Lord to your spirit. And I believe he's going to say that to some folks. Maybe already is speaking it because some of you have been wondering, is this really the Lord saying this to me? Is this really the Lord putting this in my heart? <laughs> all I know is I'm just supposed to say to you, and I believe it's his heart for you, yes, you can. Not in your own strength, not in your own power. But Paul said, and we're double first cousins to Paul in Jesus, I can do all things through the one who is giving me strength. Meaning, Whatever the Lord assigns me, I can do all the things God gives me to do. I can do, I can do all things that I'm assigned that are a part of my destiny in him. He hadn't called me to something that he's not going to give me strength to do. He's not going to leave me helpless or hopeless. I can do, I can do. I, I'm the one that's going to be physically engaged, but he's the one who's sending that electricity to empower my being to do what he's giving me to do. I can do all things. Some of you, some of you, maybe even this morning, are going to be surprised in a good way. <laughs> It'll blow your hat in the creek as you realize that really is something that the Lord is calling me to do. That is something that the Lord believes that I can do. I can do all things. It's something that you, that you can. He's calling, he's calling us. He wants to surprise us by saying, yes, you can. Now, the other side to that is, no, you can't. Huh? No, you can't. No, you can't. For a long time, as a follower of Jesus, until a, a light turned on in my mind by the Spirit and in my heart, I found myself spending most of my prayer life focused on, God, help me to quit that. Help me to stop that. Help me to get past that. Help me not to do that again. Spend all the time, so much of the time, on what I can't do. No, you can't. 
No, hear, hearing hearing the, the great voice of God being more about you can't instead of having any energy left over for the things I can do. I'm talking to some folks who, 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 who may really get this. And, and there's something that the Lord wants to do, maybe even right now as you hear this, to set you free from that, that, that the, whole, the whole energy of God in your life is not supposed to be spent with you crying out, God, help me to quit something. Instead of, Lord, I'm asking you to take me on to where you want me to be. Take me on to what you are calling me to do. The Apostle Paul, writer of two-thirds of your New Testament, said, and it's a powerful verse. It's a freeing verse. One of the greatest passages in all the New Testament. Where he says, in my flesh, here's what I've learned. In my flesh is no good thing. In my flesh. The old Saul, the old Paul, that old generator that used to work my choices and my attitudes and toward people and, and selfishness and so forth, in my flesh dwells no good thing. But you know what happens when you get saved, when Christ comes into your life? Your flesh does not necessarily go away. That's why Paul will say there's a battle in the Christian's heart between the old man and the new man. And if we, but, but the old man, he would go on to say, and in Romans 7, he's stating the state, establishing the state of affairs, even in his own heart. Where, who will deliver me from the body of this death? But he goes on to say in Romans chapter 8, if you by means of the Spirit are putting to death the deeds of the flesh, you will live, meaning live abundantly, live the life that Christ wants you to live. That, that was like a, like a bolt of lightning just hit my heart at one season of my life. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm not supposed to be the one fighting the bad in me, fighting the wrong in me, fighting the, all the can'ts that I shouldn't be doing. That's the power of the Spirit. The only one who has the power to put to death, to defeat, to cause, to not operate freely within my life. The only one who has the power to deal with the wrong in my life is the spirit of the Savior, the spirit of Jesus. So instead of me having to spend all my, my prayer life, all my, my hour of quiet time or, or however long it would be, God, I got to deal with this. I got to deal with this. I need to get this right. I need to get this right. And then you don't have any energy to go on to get ready to preach good news and encourage people because you're feeling so wrapped up in how, how wrong you are. Now, do I have a witness? Anybody want to say, you know, been there, been there. All right, here, here, is, here is a light switch. Here is a light switch. I pray the Lord will just turn it on in your heart. You will never have the power in your own flesh to whip, to defeat, to contain your old flesh. That's why Paul would say it's by, by means of the Spirit, if by means of the Spirit's power, saying, Lord, I can't do this, but you've given me your Spirit to put to death so that they don't come up, the deeds of the flesh, the anger, the selfishness, the, all of those things that are listed in the Scripture that we know about us, that we, we feel like when, when they're operating, we're, we're being at a distance from the Lord. It's not what we want. How does that, how is that dealt with? So that we have 
energy emotionally, spiritually to go on with the things that he would say you can do. It's when we understand whenever the junk comes up, whenever the stench of our flesh comes up, instead of us straining and grunting and, oh, I got to deal with that. No, you don't got to deal with that. That's the work of the spirit of Jesus inside you to deal with that. He has the, so what do we do? We pray, Lord, by the power of your spirit, I'm asking you to put to death that anger in me. I'm asking you to put to death that selfishness in me. I'm asking you to put to death that unforgiveness in my life and leave it there. Just keep giving it to the Lord. Instead of trying to make it go away, it's there. Give it to the Lord and watch what he'll do. I'm going to tell you, over time, if we begin to, to do it that way instead of, okay, I got 55 verses on self-control that I've got to, I got to go back and go through my list. Go through, you spend four hours on self-control and you still ain't got any. Huh? So what's the difference? If by means of the Spirit, church, you are putting to death the deeds of the flesh, you will live. Live abundantly. Go on with the rest of your life. So, so the, the flesh will say, no, you can't. No, you can't. Look at the mess you are. Look, look at this stuff. Look at all these things that still have to be dealt with. The flesh will say and holler at you, no, you can't. No, you can't. But the Spirit of Jesus inside you and speaking to us through this microphone today is saying, yes, you can by the power of my spirit, by the power of my life in you. Amen. Amen. I'm going to give you three things that I believe the Lord would want us to carry out today. Yes, you can. Yes, you can be a champion. Yes, you can be a champion. Number two, yes, you can have plenty. Yes, you can. You go, don't get to change. Don't write me or don't throw me in some category. You know, well, what's he going to talk about? Now, I'm fixing to tell you what we're going to talk about. And I believe that the Lord would just want to bless your heart and encourage you that his heart for you is not that you be shriveled up into nothing, but that you have plenty. The spirit of poverty that can work in, in San Antonio, that can work in various places, you're just supposed to have nothing, you're just supposed to have little, you're just supposed to eke it by. You match that up with what the Lord says that his heart is for his people, and I'm telling you, you can have plenty of his provision. The third one is, you can, you can live free. You can live free. That the stuff, the habits, the substances, the relationships, the people, whatever the setting that has been bondage to you, has bound you, you can live free. Let's go back to the first one. You can be a champion. Now, what's a champion? What's a champion? Novak Djokovic, the eyes of the tennis world was on him as he went to the U.S. Open to complete what they called a calendar grand slam. He had won the Australian Tennis Open. 
He had won the French Tennis Open just over the last months, over this year. He had won Wimbledon. He only had one more, and that was the U.S. Open. The only other person who's done it was Rod Laver, that, that Australian tennis player back in the 60s. Calendar Grand Slam. Came up, made it to the finals. Some of you saw that. Shirley and I were, we, we're, you know, we're tennis wannabes is really what we are. We're not, we're not, the, not the real deal. But, but it, was, it, was a, it was history being made. And he ended up getting beat in straight sets by a, a Russian tennis player. And I think it's primarily because Djokovic had gotten worn out with a long set, long match before that. But he was, he was a champion of three out of the four. He, he got, has his picture, you know, on, on, in, in newspapers. He has his name engraved to multiple trophies. He's a champion because he is the head of his class, because he won a trophy, an athletic trophy. That's one way that you are a champion. But there are other ways that that word is also used. When there is someone whose honor, whose reputation matters more to you than your own life, that you would step into and engage in what is spoken of as being that one's champion. Champion. To champion a cause to, to represent, to be a bold defender of a cause, a champion for human rights, a champion for the rights of the unborn. When Jesus would say, but you shall receive power, and after that you shall be my witnesses, in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, uttermost part of the earth, another way that we could read that legitimately so, that I will grant you power that you don't have on your own. But as my spirit fills you, I'll be sending you forth as my champions to represent me, not just in name, not just with information, but you will be representing me with my power flowing through you, that you'll Heal the sick. You'll raise the dead. You'll speak prophetically and folks will know God's talking to them. You'll speak the message of the cross and folks will come to know Jesus as Savior and Lord. I will energize you by my spirit to be my champions. Now, when he said that, folks, he was saying that to a group of people. We've been over this many times, but we, we just have to keep reminding ourselves of it. That early church was not made up of some super class of humans with incredible de dedication and devotion. They were scared, justifiably so. The same ones who had orchestrated the death of Jesus were still in their places of authority. Jesus had been raised from the dead. They saw him alive, but he was taken from them. He ascended up into heaven and he was gone. And they hid, afraid, worried about themselves, but their families, and what was to become of them? What, what, is, what is now? What, what, what is next to happen to us? And it was to that group that said, to you, you will receive power that you don't have right now. And the power that you don't have right now is the power over the fear of people that is shackling you and shutting you down. 
But when my power fills you, and that happened on the day of Pentecost, all of a sudden, folks, their shoe size didn't change. Their hair color didn't change. They didn't get any taller or any shorter. But there came to be within them the filling of a presence And it was the presence, not just of the resurrected Christ, but the exalted Jesus Christ who came to live inside them. And as as he began to work by his spirit out through them, they stepped out of the shadows, out of the places of hiding into the broad daylight of everybody seeing and everybody knowing. And they didn't care. They were fearless in their pursuit of bearing witness of who Jesus really is. I'm saying, folks, God has the heart and the power to surprise you by saying, yes, you can be my champion. Yes, you can be my champion. Not with any power of your own, Not just by being around a bunch of folks and you think by being around them you're going to get some power that you didn't have. No. It will be me doing it in you. Now I want you to go with me all the way back to one of the early books in the Old Testament. And it's the book of Judges. And it's Judges chapter 6. And I want you to let me read you a few of the descriptive terms about this man named Gideon. Gideon. Now, now we we know the rest of the story, the 300 men, you know, the pitcher and and the torch in the pitcher and the trumpet. And all at the same time on that night, they surrounded the, the army that had come to destroy them. Gideon and the men followed the instructions of the Lord. They they, they broke the pitchers, raised the torch, blew the trumpets, and, and the Lord turned the enemy against itself, and it destroyed many within itself, and the Israelites came and ran them out of the country, and, and there was peace preserved in the nation for another season of time. Gideon is known as one of those judges. He wasn't a king, but he was raised up as a judge. He was a champion. He ended up being a champion. <laughs> but folks... He didn't start out that way. He he wasn't always brave and bold and confident. I want you to to see if you can see some of yourself. We can see some of ourselves in this description. This is uh, Judges chapter 6, verse 11. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat under the yoke that was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the Bezerite, as his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress in order to save it from the Midianites. Just pause a moment. That was not the normal way you beat out, wine, out, 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 out wheat. That, that was normally done in an open air setting so that The breeze, when it blew, as they threw the wheat and the chaff up in the air, the breeze would do the separating work. The chaff would blow off because it's lighter, and the wheat would settle back down onto the ground. 
but you did that out in the open. You did that where there was a wind. A wine press is a hole in the ground where they would stomp or crush or beat down the olives, the grapes that, to, make, to make the wine. All right, so the reason Gideon is down in the hole in the ground beating out the wheat instead of being above the ground where the wind could help him is because he was scared out of his mind. He wasn't there because that was the normal way you did it. He was there because it says it was safe. He was afraid. Gideon was beating out wheat in the wine press in order to save it from the Midianites. The Midianites were these marauding bands of infiltrators that, that had strength outside of Israel. They wanted to take Israel and they would come in from time to time and overpower the Jewish people and steal from them. Plunder their foodstuffs, steal their cattle and oxen. And it was, it was a season where, where Israel was under oppression. And, and, and nobody was strong enough to, to rally the troops until Gideon came along. And he, he, was, he was a choice. He, he was an outstanding pick of the Lord. When the Lord had a choice of all kinds of folks, he picks a guy who's hiding out in a wine press just trying to save enough for his family to eat. And look, look at this, verse 12. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him. Where? In this place of defeat? In this place of discouragement? In this place of doubt? The angel of the Lord didn't appear to him on the top of Mount Carmel or Mount Sinai. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in the place of his defeat. In the place of his fear. All right, we'll keep going. Then Gideon, oh, let me read the rest of that. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. The Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. I'm sure that Gideon looked around to make sure there wasn't anybody else in that hole in the ground but him. Because the last thing he looked like was a valiant warrior. Valiant meaning brave, strong, able to command troops. What, what, did that, what, what was that again? The Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. In other words, in other words, the Lord saw Gideon as somebody he didn't see himself to be. The Lord saw him as somebody nobody else saw him to be. And I'm talking to somebody today. You feel like you're going to have to stay in the hole in the ground, buried in the place of defeat. And I'm saying to you, the Lord would say to you, on the basis of his love for you, on the basis of what the cross has done for you, on the basis of his ability to empower you, he's saying to you, the Lord is with you. Oh, valiant warrior. Well, notice how Gideon responded. Then Gideon said to him, oh, my Lord, 
If the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. Now, folks, see, this is another place where we can feel like before God could really ever use me, before God could really ever speak to me, i got to get all this doubt and unbelief beaten out of my life. There's always going to be a part of you, child of God, follower of Jesus, that won't believe. Just own it. Just accept it. It was true in the Apostle Paul. In my flesh dwells no good thing. There's a part of you that will just gravitate toward lies. And, and, and senses of, of how it's one defeat after another. But is, does that, in this case, disqualify Gideon from still being God's choice? And the answer is no. It didn't disqualify. Because the Lord knew all that Gideon had grown up with, all that he had been heard, all that he had heard going on around him, all the circumstances of defeat and, and, and seeming abandonment that had come against him. The Lord understood that. But the Lord still picked him. The Lord still chose him. Because the Lord knew who Gideon really was empowered by the touch of God upon his life, empowered by the favor of God upon his life. Maybe Gideon had given up on himself, given up on, given up on himself, but the Lord hadn't given up on him. And I'm saying, that's true of you. That's true of you. That's true of us. What others may say, what we may say of ourselves is not necessarily at all what the Lord says about us. So he continues on. Verse 14. And the Lord looked at him and said, Go in your strength. Go in this your strength. And deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? In other words, the Lord was saying... I have called you by your real name, valiant warrior. There is power in my word to your life. There is authority in my word over your life. You go. You go in the strength. In this your strength. And deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? And he said to him, still, still Gideon's responding, but, but not responding with, with life and faith. O Lord, how shall I deliver Israel? Behold, my family is the least in Manasseh, one of the smaller tribes, and I am the youngest in my father's house. But the Lord said to him, surely... I will be with you, and you shall defeat Midian as one man. 
Now, I want you to notice one massive and wonderful difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Where he says, the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you and you shall defeat Midian. There's a major difference in the prepositions between the Old Testament and the New Testament. I will be with you. I will be with you is the Old Testament way of saying, I will be around you. I will be upon you. I will be in front of you. I'll be behind you. But the New Testament says, it is Christ in you, in you, in you, that is your hope of glory. Folks, we don't take him seriously enough. For if we took him seriously enough and we realized who it is who's saying, I am in you, the one who has all authority, all power, whose name is above every other name. It's not the spirit of the crucified Jesus. It's not the spirit of the physically weary Jesus. It is the spirit of the exalted Christ who knows no limits, who never runs out of anything. If he did, he'd just make some more. It is his spirit who desires to dwell in you. So on the basis of that, we can understand Why that old ordinary desert bush, like maybe five million others of them, but when that inanimate object got lit with the fire of God, it burned but wasn't consumed, Moses saw it, came to the bush, and from out of that fiery burning but not being consumed bush from that place of fire, God spoke. Folks, folks, listen. He has the ability to set you on fire with the energy from another land. And as he sets you on fire, you can count on it. His heart, his heart will warmly burn out from you. His word will wonderfully flow out from you. You say, well, I'm a a businessman. I'm a businesswoman. I'm a homemaker. I'm 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 not a preacher. Take a number and line up behind Abraham. Line up behind Joseph. Line up behind Daniel. Line up behind Gideon. They weren't professional preachers. They were ordinary people positioned in the real nuts and bolts kinds of places of life whom the Lord in that place said, Behold you, O valiant warrior. I'm not asking you to leave where you live in, Gideon, and come over here and find yourself in some monastery somewhere away from the real world. I know you're surrounded by enemies. I know you've got political, sociological, financial things going on around you in the middle of the world you live in. That's part of why I picked you. You say, but 
but I'm little, I'm nobody. It's like the Lord would say, excuse me, who is this talking to you? Who is this calling you by name? Who is this giving you an assignment on my behalf that I want you to do? You are not a nobody in my sight. Now he's fixing to do something that was going to make his daddy mad, and that's why he went ahead and did what he was assigned to do to pull down the altar to Baal in the dark because he's scared of what his daddy would do. His daddy had compromised, and people all across the land, they were worshiping the gods of the Canaanites, the Baals, and others, and, and yet they were supposed to be the people of the one true living God, Jehovah. And so as the Lord speaks that to Gideon, he gives Gideon a sign, but go tear down that altar to Baal. And Gideon ended up doing it. His daddy came to his rescue when the townspeople rose up. We're going to kill your son because look what he did to offend the deity, offend Baal. <laughs> his daddy stepped into the fray and said, all right, here's how we're going to do it. If Baal is such a big dog, you let Baal rebuild his altar, his own altar. If he's really a god, you let him do it. Somewhere or another, Gideon's response seemed to ignite, response to the Lord seemed to ignite a godly response from his daddy. And they let Gideon go free. And the next thing you find in chapter 6 is that Gideon is blowing the trumpet, sending out the word for the men of war to come and gather around him. Now, this is a guy we don't know just a few days before was hiding him himself out in a dark hole in the ground just to have enough grain to eat. And now on the basis of what he received as the word of the Lord to him, he's commanding armies, he's commanding troops, he's obeying the Lord in that way. You, you ought to read the more of that story. Judges chapter 6 and 7, that, that, that's that, that the content of, of the story, basically, of Gideon's life. But there's such hope in that, folks. There's such hope in that. We can all find reasons to disqualify ourselves from being used by the Lord. We can all list our places of defeat, discouragement, and doubt. We can all rehearse before the Lord why he should pick somebody besides us, but it doesn't change the heart of God for you. Chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. So some would say, well, that was Gideon. Nice little story, preacher. Nice little story about Gideon. But what do you do with that Acts 1-8? Jesus looked out into the faces of that 120 or however many there were in that day, that how they were without power, how they were afraid, and he knew he was leaving, and that what were they going to do? As he, as he was saying it to them, folks, he's saying, he's looking down all these 2,000 years, and he's saying it to us. But you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my champions. You shall be my champions in Jerusalem where all that happened to Jesus cruelly and with his death happened. You 
will be my champions right here. Folks, listen. He's not going to change your last name. He's not going to move you to another city necessarily, move you to another family setting, or change all the circumstances of your life that have been difficult. He's still, he knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly who's again you and who's for you. He, he knows it all. But he says, here's what I'm going to do. You, 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 you shall receive power, my power. And you shall be my witnesses. You, 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 will, you will stand up and you will step out and you will bear witness of who I am. You'll pray for sick people. You'll preach, speak, speak to ones who need the gospel. He may give you some specific assignment that you, you sense that he is calling you to do, something that may never have been done before, something that others would have given up on, whatever it would be. And I don't know who I'm talking to, but I'm telling you, as sure as this wood's hard, I'm talking to somebody today, and the Lord's saying to you, you old valiant warrior, you. I have a plan for your life. Follow me. Trust me. Don't, 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 be, don't be wasting my time or yours by describing all the places of defeat, all the places of disappointment, all the places of doubt. I know all that. But I have still called you. Pray for my power. Pray for my power. Pray that I'll drench you with my spirit and fire, and I will use you as my champion, as my champion. All right? God surprises. God, God, God blew, blew Gideon's hat in the creek when he showed up. And then when he addressed him with that statement, hail, oh, valiant warrior, the Lord is with you. Let that in. Wherever that needs to be let in, let it in, let it in. And, and remember, just like Moses, Moses tried to disqualify himself. I can't talk, Lord. I can't tell you. know I can't talk. The Lord made provision. Gideon says, I'm a nobody. I'm from a tribe of nobodies. Why would you pick me? Look where I've been. Look where I'm hiding. Look what I can't do. And it didn't, it didn't deter the Lord one bit. Yes, you can. Yes, you can be a champion in the power of the Spirit. Number two, yes, you can have plenty. Yes, you can have plenty. There is a spirit of poverty that can talk to people. It can be in family lines. It can be in geographic locations. I believe that there can very definitely be a spirit of poverty that has lips and impressions in the San Antonio, South Texas area that will say, you're nothing. You don't deserve anything. You always are supposed to work under someone else's taskmaster role in your life rather than you having the ability to have others work for you that you're never going to, you don't deserve much. I don't want you to have 
all of those kinds of things can be said and can be believed. And as a result, servants of the Most High God, children of the King, can settle for far less than what their Father, their King, their Savior would desire for them to know. I know some of you raise your eyebrows and say, well, let's see where he's going with this. I'm just so glad you're curious. I'm just so glad because there's an answer. I believe there's a clear answer. Go to the last book in the Old Testament. Which book is that? Malachi. Malachi. Go to Malachi chapter 3. And I want to say to you, I want to show you the heart of the Lord you can have plenty. Now we've read this verse many times over the years, and I'm sure you on your own have, have, have done that privately, but if you've known the Lord for very long and you've wanted to bring him into the financial part of your life, but let, let's, let's look at this starting in verse, verse 8, Malachi 3, 8. Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed thee? And the Lord answers in tithes and offerings. On the basis of that, he then says, you are cursed with a curse, a financial curse. You are cursed with a material financial curse. That's the context. For you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Verse 10, he gives the prescription for the sickness. He gives the way in black ink on white pages for the financial curse to be broken. For those who would dare to read it and heed it, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven, hold on to that phrase. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows, then I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it may not destroy the fruits of the ground and nor will your vine in the field cast its grapes, says the Lord of hosts. In Leviticus, it was made clear, Moses giving the law of the Lord to the people. The tithe is holy unto the Lord. The first 10% of income of any and every kind is holy unto the Lord. It belongs to the Lord. That's, what, that's the backstory for this statement. They were robbing him by not bringing to him the 10% of the crops, of the sales of whatever, the Lord called that robbing him. And he said, as a result of that, you are cursed with a curse. And you can look over at, the, at verse 11, and you can see the extent of the curse. Verse 11, then I will rebuke the devourer for you. That There is a, a supernatural kind of devouring that was going on with the people's crops, with the things that they were trying to keep, with the things that they, they weren't giving to the Lord. Something was eating them up. It could have been locusts with the crops in advance. 
It could have been a number of things. But, but he said, what will happen when the curse is broken is that I will rebuke the devourer so that it may not destroy the fruits of your ground, nor will your vine in the field cast its grapes. The, the, the agricultural side, they grew, they, they grew grapes, they, they, had, they had the vineyards, and, and, and one of the problems could be that, that if, 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 the, if, if for whatever reason this was a function of the curse, the vines would, would prematurely expel their grapes, cause the grapes to fall ground before they got ripe, and it ruined the whole harvest. But he says, you bring the whole tithe. You bring what is mine to me. You know, it's amazing that, that he didn't say, you bring 90 and you keep 10. It wasn't that the Lord was going broke, but here's the purpose of the tithe. Here's the reason that first 10% was so important then, and folks, it's bedrock, bedrock important today, now. The first purpose of the tithe was for there to be enough gathered into the storehouse so that the poor, the needy, who would fall on hard times would find a place to be able to come and they could be supplied by that season of time when they were without. That, that he invites us to share in his ministry of mercy to people. The tithe is about mercy to people in need. But the second part of it is this. It's one thing for us to own stuff. It's another thing for stuff to own you or me. Giving to the Lord, not what's left over. If we've got, if we feel like we can afford the 10%, we do it. First, first check written. First decision made. The first fruits. What that does is that keeps our eyes on him. Who is our hope? Not the riches. Paul will say in 1 Corinthians 6, you tell rich people in this life, you tell them not to set their hope on the riches of this life, on the uncertainty of the riches of this life, because they will disappoint you. In time, there's a disappointment that can come. So it, it, is a, it, it was the purpose of the Lord to engage his people in mercy, but also to protect his people's heart from the idolatry of a dollar. The idolatry of a dollar. The idolatry of a dollar. I want you to look back at that. I will open the windows of heaven. You bring... You bring the whole tithe to me, I'll open the windows of heaven. In an agricultural sense, that meant rain. But oh my goodness, folks. And I, don't, I can't stay long on this. But how many things are there that only can come from the heart of heaven that can never come from a dollar bill or a bunch of them? You find men filthy rich and they can't keep a family. They can't keep a wife. Their kids don't even want to be around them. And it can be because the God of the man or the woman's life is the dollar bill. You show me a one dollar bill, any dollar bill that's got arms, it's got a mouth that can say, I love you, thank you, I appreciate you. 
or in a time of, of, of loneliness and a sense of separation and need where those arms could embrace a broken-hearted man or woman. It'll never happen. You can't buy the affection, true affection. of But the Lord is saying, you bring this to me. You honor me. And you watch what I will do. I will open the windows of heaven. Pour out on the people you love the ability to love you back. Pour out into the lives of ones that you're burdened for, that you want them to grow, you want there to be change, you want there to be movement. I'll hear your prayers, I'll hear your prayers, I'll hear your prayers, I'll hear your prayers for others. I'll open the windows of heaven as you honor me. Now, now folks, so so he says... I didn't know that I read that like I needed to. If I'll open the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Does that sound like more? Does that sound like plenty? Does that sound like plenty? It's not that everybody's going to have the same bank statement. It's not that everybody's going to have the same financial record and resources. But I believe it is saying that the heart of God for all of his people is to know what it is to personally experience in your life and upon even the material resources of your life a blessing too great to be contained. A blessing too great to be contained. Not talking about dollars necessarily, though it will involve dollars. Not talking about property, though it can involve property, certainly. But again, you're not going to find a dollar bill with the ability to hug you. You're not going to find a dollar bill with the ability to say, I believe in you, I encourage you. Because where are you going to put that money that's going to be safe, huh? Where are you going to put that money where it can be safe? Where inflation doesn't eat it up. Laws in Washington don't eat it up. That's why Paul would say to the believers, and they were wealthy. When, and, and, and we will have wonderful, wealthy, godly, generous people that are part of the Alamo City family. And they're blessed because they're generous. They're blessed because they are compassionate. And they are blessed because they understand that what's in my hand today could be out of my hand tomorrow. And my hope is not in this. My hope is in the God of hope. Yes, you can have plenty. But if you're living under a financial curse, don't, don't start praying about anything else until you do the math. Did you hear what I said? Don't start praying for and about anything else financially until you do the math. You say, well, when I get, when I get enough. No, no. Now. That's what he said. They were in a state of financial deter de deterioration. And he said, you want to break the curse? You want to get up under the curse? You don't wait till the crops come in. You, you right now, you bring it now. now. I know I'm speaking to some wonderful folks scattered all over the country, around the world. I'm not talking about you bringing everything to Alamo City. This isn't about a fundraising thing. But where you're fed, where there's a sense that that, that particular church or ministry is helping the poor and the needy, and, and, and you want to be a part of that, you don't want to, then, then you, you bless them. You do what you need to do in those places where you're, where you're being fed and where you feel like this kind of theme is being followed in the use of the money. And watch what the Lord will do. 
I, you know, the reason I get so big about this is, is because I know it's true. I've seen it happen again and again and again and again. No, no. No way you'll ever prove to me. No ever way no, you ever convince me that this is not true. You cancel the curse and the windows of heaven get open. And the blessings that only God can bring, he begins to pour out. Amen. All right, I got I to give you that one more. Make that last point. I'm going to just give you the verse. Yes, you can. Yes, you can be a champion. Yes, you can have plenty. Here's the third, a third wonderful God surprise. Yes, you can live free. Yes, you can live free. And I want you to find this in the, in the next to the last book in your Bible. It's the book of Jude. Book of Jude. And it is verse 24. I'll leave this with you. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy. Blame. Have you ever wondered if they get the word that you're headed to glory somewhere up there? Maybe they've got a radar screen, they've got something, and they say, well, here comes Walker. It's about Walker's time. And then the, then the thought that the Lord is just shaking his head, oh, man, he barely made it. You know, that, oh, goodness. Oh, goodness, we'll just have to make it through this season because there's nothing to be glad about that. When this verse is written, it's talking about when you break into the glory room, when you meet that gate and that gate's opened, that there is one who has done everything necessary for you for it to be a moment of great joy as you stand there blameless, blameless, without blemish. Because of what the cross has accomplished, but also because of what he says in this first part of this verse. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. The meaning there is stumbling into sin. Stumbling into the repeated junk, the repeated stuff that has ruined our lives. Now unto him who is able to keep you from stumbling. And to present you in his presence blameless with great joy. I just want to say to you, you and I can't keep ourselves from stumbling, but there is one who is able because of his spirit and life inside us who is able today, today, in the part of the deepest struggle and suffering and, and, and all that can try to pull you back into it, now to him, who is able to keep you from stumbling. 
How great is that? Instead of it being, oh, I've got to watch my step. I'm, I'm, it's up to me to keep. It's, we're back to this whole thing. If he doesn't deal with the flesh, the flesh just runs rampant. If he's not the one keeping us from stumbling, we keep on stumbling. So instead of trying to say, I've got to have the strength to quit this, you'll never have the strength to quit it. But he has the strength to keep you from going back. Keep you. Keep me. I'm repeatedly going back to those places where we stumble. I've gone long, but I just had to get that out. May the Lord, may you hear the Lord. May you hear the Lord. Yes, you can by the power of his spirit. Yes, you can be his champion. Yes, you can have plenty. And yes, you can live free by the power of His Spirit. Lord, thank You. Thank You for what You're doing. Thank You for what You're saying. Let me, if I'm just finished with this, somebody who's listening and you have never opened your heart up to receive Jesus as Savior and Lord. You know about Him. You, you maybe been to church, but you've never received Him. Do that right now. Open your heart up right now, Lord Jesus Christ. If I've never done it before, I'm asking you to come into my heart. I need you in me. I need your power in me. I'm not good enough to try to copy you. I need you alive in me. Ask him. Pray that prayer. Lord Jesus, come into my heart, please. He honors that. He'll hear that. And let us hear from you as the days unfold. Lord, thank you for our time. Bless your word to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. God bless you for being here. Prayer partners, if you'll join us here at the front so we can pray. This is a good group. Our numbers are thickening up a little bit on these Sunday mornings at 9 and 11. And bless you all for being here. Don't miss next Sunday now. Don't miss next Sunday. It's going to be good. Our time of a, a special worship and praise focus. There'll be preaching. There'll be the word. But we'll be lifting our hearts up to the Lord. Amen. God bless you. Thank you.